0: You're listening to the Evolution Exchange Podcast, a melting pot of ideas and inspiration shared by some of the most successful technical leaders in the APEC region. I'm Danelle, Senior Consultant in Evolution Recruitment Solutions, and I help connect business with tech talent. And today, I'm your host. So welcome to another installment of our podcast. And on today's podcast, we'll be discussing the topic of... um, hiring the right product manager and I'm delighted to be joined with two senior thought leaders in the product space so first of all Muku um, from Coherent he's the chief of product there and Panta Roy from Circular founder and chief of product hey guys very nice to have you on board Uh, yeah so just to start off of course I'll let our guests just share a little bit about themselves introduce themselves so maybe we can start off quickly with um, Panta
1: Hello, I'm Panta. I'm a founder and the Chief Product Officer at Circular. Uh, At Circular, we believe um, renting is better than owning, especially for consumer electronic devices. Um, As for me, I started my career as an investment banker, but for the last about eight years, I've been managing products and product teams around Southeast Asia. I have uh, been in very early stage companies and to pretty late stage once until I decided to start my own sometime last year. So we are a seed stage uh, startup. Uh, we are Circular. And as I mentioned to you, uh, we are a device leasing platform. We believe uh, you should have access to devices and not own them. I pass it over to Muko. All right. Thank you, Muko.
2: Great, thanks, Pantha. Uh, exciting, um, definitely much more on the uh, leasing and renting kind of personality than than owning in general. So, so look forward to uh, uh, trying trying out some of your services in the near future. So. Um, good day, everybody. Uh, and It's a pleasure to be here, Daniel. Thank you so much for inviting me and having us speak. Uh, my name is Mukul Dasgupta. Uh, I am the Chief Product Officer at Coherent. Uh, Coherent is a no-code platform that essentially believes that the world's most popular programming language and most widely used is actually Excel. And it's a bit of a different take on something that exists. But if you really think about, you know, and X investment banker, the number one application probably used in banks, consulting firms and every type of company across the world is Excel. And a lot of B2B SaaS companies, heck, even the CRM system was something that started off in an Excel spreadsheet and then turned into an application. Coherent Spark is our platform that takes any kind of an Excel file, the logic, essentially think of Excel as the programming language upon which the functions are written, and turns it into code within minutes, essentially shrinking months, if not years, of development and testing time into seconds, enabling the developers as well as business users across the world to really focus on creating new stuff that they can in other programming languages as opposed to just rewriting something from Excel into JavaScript or Python, which is the choice du jour. Uh, So that's really, we are part of the no-code stack that we're trying to deliver um, a lot of uh, productivity to businesses everywhere.
0: All right, yeah, thank you for the introduction, guys. So, yeah, we'll jump straight into, guess, the guys' a podcast topic. So, that's around hiring the right product manager. So, I mean, speaking to both of you guys individually, I know you guys are also, or have been looking to hire for your team and product. So, I know it's been a bit of a struggle now. It's, it's very, you know... The market is a little bit shaky right now, but, you know, it's always a need for product managers. And I would love to understand, you know, your thoughts on this particular topic. So I guess the first question I would like to ask, I guess, um, is, you know, what does the ideal product manager look like to you? Maybe we can start off with Muku.
2: Uh, thanks, Daniel. You know, I think fundamentally my answer, which is a little bit longer, is that there almost is no such thing as, is is sort of my answer to that question. And uh, this comes up quite a bit because fundamentally I've worked with product managers who are extremely technical back end, have never seen the light of day in the sense of never done any UI, UX. And then you've got people completely on the other end of the spectrum who focus very much on the user interface and user journeys and user experience experiences that they're delivering, and at least for most good products, you need a combination of all of the different kind of product managers out there and the skill sets that you can bring together in a team. It is very difficult to find what I typically call a true full stack product manager who has excellent and exceptional user experience skills, and by this, you know, we might use something like an Apple design type uh, thing as the vanguard of that, and somebody who can really get into the nitty-gritty and think about performance scaling down to the different CPU processors and servers levels and how you do distribute hyperscaled uh, solutions. And, and you need product managers across the board, and it's really hard to find them. So my philosophy on that is really focusing on how do you build the right team with the right disparate skill sets to complement each other. Now, within the product manager piece, a few key things, and then I'll hand over to Panta. is, you have to have an extreme deep user empathy and user understanding. Uh, For me, my brain literally starts with, what's the user journey? What's the user outcome? What's fundamentally the user trying to accomplish? And how do we as technology builders help them accomplish that? Uh, If you don't sort of have that deep, deep user understanding and user empathy, I think that's a bit of a, just, just you're gonna fail right off the bat. Uh, The second piece that's very important for a good product manager is the ability to deal with ambiguity. Um, In some cases, there's some product managers and in some companies, especially larger ones where you're like, hey, this is a box, go fix this box, make this box better. And that works. But at least at coherent, a lot of the stuff that we're trying to do is really think about solving problems in a very fresh and unique way that have never been thought of that way. So dealing with ambiguity and most of the time when I interview product managers, I come up with sort of one key question. and We can discuss that later and that's it. And my answer to them as a reason this interview question is that's basically going to be the first thing you're going to hear on your first day. And after that, there won't be much else that you will hear. Just dealing with ambiguity, right? And that's what they need to do. They need to figure out what needs to be built. So those are probably the two most important pieces for me, deep, deep user empathy while being able to deal with ambiguity. And the rest of it is table stakes around technical skills and, you know, design skills and all that. So.
0: Hmm. Yeah, and Panta, do you agree with what you're saying, or do you have a different viewpoint? You are mute. <laughs> hey, can you
1: hear me? Sorry, can yeah. I hear? You? Okay, sorry. Yeah, I I cannot disagree absolutely with what you to say, and uh, I I can only add to it. Um, the the few things I would add is uh, first is I look at his product as he correctly mentioned that you know there is no clear. Every company has a product rule that looks very different. It's not like a back-end engineer you can test someone with a coding like, okay, you're you're skilled in Golang and I can give you a test and you can prove yourself you're very good at it and you can do the job. Product is more like a glue that makes all other functions stick together. And the nature of the glue is different for different organizations. So it's more, a lot of companies, um, have very, as as Mukul mentioned, that they could have very technical product managers. Some product managers could be business focused. So it's, it's you know, the, the spectrum of product manager is very, very wide compared to other functions, which can be quite narrow. Now, also, there is another angle to this is also the stage of the company. As you are later stage um, versus early stage, they also demand. A different kind of product managers but what 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 Mukul said which is always true which is dealing with ambiguity is something that is constant you know it's it doesn't matter which stage you are at um, but the appetite for risk etc will vary with the stage of the company so you know smaller stage companies are very different to later stage companies so oftentimes as a product leader, or as a sort of a founder, you need to define what product management looks like in your company first. Um, What what would the day-to-day product uh, manager look like? And that is also very reliant on what the other functions look like and what the gaps are. So product manager often fills those gaps and to act as a glue to make sure all the different functions, they they, they work uh, optimally across the organization.
0: Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. I mean, it's really hard to access product managers generally because there's so many types of product managers. You know, you have technical design, you know, data product managers, growth product managers. So I guess... I mean, I speak to product managers every day. I'm sure you guys as well. Um, So, I mean, what I want to know is how you guys basically access or, you know, interview your product managers in order to find the right product manager. So besides, I mean, hard skills, which is on the CV, you know, um, is there some questions or tasks that you guys have set to access key product traits or skill set? I mean, Muku was mentioning here one question. I really want to hear the answer to that. (laughs) Maybe you can start with that.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, it's the question. And my question that I always start with almost is, of course, I'm interviewing, whether I'm interviewing here or in my previous roles at Microsoft, I was interviewing product managers. and essentially take the product that I'm working on right now. And this a lot of people don't like this technique, but I think it works for me is I say, OK, this is our product current spark. If you were the product manager, what would you do? well, how would you improve it? And and that's kind of it. Uh, And that's where you have to see dealing with ambiguity. you, You get to see what is their appetite for research, how much research have they done on your company and try to understand the different user stakeholders. And the other thing that I really look for in that answer is also their ability to structure and think critically and really make tough trade-offs and tough decisions because then once they start answering with their opinions, I can always go in with, yeah, but that's really hard or this is the reason that won't succeed, which of course I wouldn't know because I'll spend more time thinking about my product, but I can go with counters. And it's not about them getting the right answer, but it's about them at least showing the ability to intellectually engage and going through some tough decision processes where there are no clear answers, right, which again goes into the dealing with ambiguity. So I usually if a perfect interview for me is not having to ask any other actual different question then how would you improve the product and all the follow-on is just a conversation and a discussion around that particular theme because that for me is essentially how the day job should work in most of the cases. There's others as well but you know we'll start with that.
1: Panta. So, um, I'm I'm a bit more uh, traditional when it comes to like hiring product managers, so I kind of break it down into three three sort of interviews, if that's the question. So, the first one is sort of a product sense interview, where you give them a pretty big problem, like, you know, I, I think mental health is a big problem, how would you try to solve it, you know, and then they can... Take the big problem, kind of uh, identify the small parts, and how to try to boil down into a smaller segment that they can launch the product. That gives them, that gives me an idea of how they can uh, take a big problem to narrow the scope down to deliver something that's useful. So that's sort of one segment of the interview. It could be one whole interview. The second one is more, uh, you know, usually product managers. As I see, they, I, I expect them to be fairly. Um, Uh, numerical and to to be good with numbers so sort of uh, questions around success metrics and how you're going to deep dive deep diving into some numbers and metrics that's sort of the second kind of interview which is more execution based like when someone is releasing a product it needs to be uh, they need to be able to measure uh, how the product is doing to get a pulse of what they've done And that's something they need to be pretty good with and to be able to understand the trade-offs of some of these metrics. That's actually quite important. None of the metrics are, you know, good enough. They always have some flaws. So to be able to understand those flaws are quite important. And the last part is sort of the third part, third interview that I put in a staged interview process is... Largely uh, kind of buy in from other functions, including engineering and other teams that the product manager would work closely with because it's quite important for the product managers to be successful. And this is what different companies have different requirements for the last part where some of the product could be engineering heavy, some of the product be data heavy. Some of the product might need interacting with marketing functions so that, you know, they are primary stakeholders inside the company to deal with the product manager, and they should have a say or a veto power in this. And that I would work closely with that function to define how that interview might look like, what they're looking for. So these are the three sort of stages I have for a product management interview that kind of one, the spidey sense of product second is whether the person can execute and figure out how to make a product successful and second is third is kind of the glue test where they can work well with the people that they're meant to work with that's quite important and obviously beyond this there's cultural interviews and things which are not product specific but more company specific
0: yeah so muku i mean do you also have a multi-stage process for your for your company
2: Yes, uh, we and it's uh, similar thinking as Panta, where we usually do at least four stages. You know, I'll I'll do the first screening interview just to get that through. Then there's one stage. Usually, the last stage comes in with a CTO. So you know, making sure that there's somebody who can stand up to the CTO is is critical. We've got a fantastic CTO who is extremely detail oriented and extremely diligent and thoughtful. So uh, so that's usually the last stage. One of the stages is also, I guess. Sometimes you can call it a case study type of thing, but it's actually a product case study. So we actually give them access to our to our product, or in Spark uh, sandbox, uh, we'll give them a bit of an exercise to do on the product itself, right? And again, it's not so much about whether or not they succeed. Uh, the exercise is actually pretty simple. You take an Excel file, convert it into an API. What did you learn? So, but it's more on use the product. What did you like about? It? What did you not like? Can you get passionate about the problem space that we're solving? Right? There yeah. are phenomenal product. Managers out there uh, who couldn't care less about the problem that we're solving. And that is perfectly okay, right? But if if you get a really good person who isn't interested in what you're doing, that is much worse than somebody who's less capable but is really passionate about the problem you're solving. So that's kind of an important piece for us. And then the fourth round interview depends on, Again, the fact that there isn't just one single type of product manager. If we're hiring for somebody who is much more, let's say, going to work with our business and commercial teams to bring certain use cases and solutions to market, then they'll interview with a commercial team member, uh, sales even for that matter. And like, okay, can they communicate and can they work with salespeople? If the person is more of a back-end technical, then they'll interview with our senior architect on the team They'll like really get into some of those technical details. And the bar is usually, hey, would you be able to work with this person in your domain on a daily basis? So yeah, it's the four stage multi-processes what we follow.
0: Yeah, I mean a case study is always quite an interesting, I would say. Interesting stage where people are normally like, does it do we need that or do we do is there something that is necessary for product? I mean, some companies do a take-home assignment, but I see some people throw out, you know, questions that catch people off guard just to see their their process or you know, th- thinking process. There's also one part that people normally do debate whether it's necessary, and that is a behavioral kind of test. So I do work with some NMNCs who give a two-hour-long kind of test to see if you fill up your questions and see if, you know, in line with the way the culture of the team works. I mean, do you guys think that's necessary? I mean,
1: um, I, mean I I mean, can I can say something... I can, okay let me start so I, I think that you know when i was younger i i when i was going for my first interviews etc then um, the, all these curveballs used to get asked. so you were you know they would be asked like quizzes and puzzles and all this stuff and oftentimes i don't think those are necessarily good things to ask to throw these curveballs if you're not if you, if you don't need it in your day-to-day job, it doesn't really add much to the interview process. So it really depends on the interview and what, what you're looking to do, right? So if, if someone doesn't need to solve the problem under time pressure with minutes to go, asking them to go through that same in in an interview process doesn't really yield much benefit. At the end of the day, in a product management interview process, you are trying to gauge whether this person would be a right product manager. And you don't need someone like a field field medalist to come in to manage product. So it's not not a necessary step. Um, But, you know, there are, however, requirements of uh, reacting well to the needs of the hour. And that can be gauged in other ways, which you can do. Like you can ask a real-time problem. So one one of the things that you can do is like again going back to the three-step process, the middle part, which is more the execution part. The I would get like right now we are very lean, very small. We are a small company, but when in a bigger organization, I would I would get a senior product manager to talk about the day-to-day problem that he's. Facing and to be able to brainstorm something together to see, okay, how would you solve that problem? So that's like a more real time problem solving, does not necessarily need to be like a math puzzle to be solved during that process. That's how I, I look at it. I don't know how Mukul sees this.
2: Uh, yeah, Panta, I think uh, philosophically, I'm definitely aligned with you. Where the, the philosophy and how I design the multi stage process also is I want to test the aspects of the day job in as close a simulation of an interview as possible and exactly right um and just a quick anecdote even though this might take a bit long so my uh, so the what you are kind of referring to i think case studies are slightly uh, there's case studies and then there's brain teasers or puzzles or something like that those are two slightly separate i'm a big believer in case study interview questions but i also don't think you need to solve necessarily the brain teasers and uh, um, in when I started my career, you can look it up on LinkedIn. It was too long ago, but companies like Microsoft and same as Google and all these, the brain teasers were part of the interview process. And uh, you know, I prepared for the interviews with Microsoft, and I knew this was going to happen. And I tried to study these books on the brain teasers. I think uh, there's lots of books written on that. And I was just like, I am absolute crap at brain teasers. I was like, this is not gonna happen. And so I actually took a pretty bold approach. So I am at Microsoft back then, maybe they still do it is, they had full day long interviews. You do six interviews back to back to back, right? Including a lunch one. And in the lunch, my strategy was, so the interview said, okay, let's do a brain teaser. And I said, "Uh, hey, um," and my interviewer at that time, his name was Marcus, fantastic product manager. I said, Marcus, let's assume I didn't answer your brain teaser question and let's move on to the next question. And he got flustered going, hold on, (laughs) never had an interview candidate say, I'm not gonna answer a question. And he was like, sorry, what? I was like, listen, I've already done my work. I know this is not my strength. So I don't wanna take up any time during this interview trying to focus on something that's not a strength of mine. Let's spend the time on the other questions hopefully that you still have where I can showcase my strengths and then you know over the rest of the day you and the rest of the interviewers can decide whether me not answering and not having sort of the brain teaser solving problem is going to be a big enough problem or not in the day job. And so he went on and that he was done a little early he's like okay I have no more questions for you. Can we get back to the brain? up? like, that's fine. But I'm telling you right now, I'm not going to get it. He's like, OK, OK, fine. But let's just try it. Uh, But that was kind of my approach to say, hey, no one is perfect. And I would rather spend my time during an interview showing you what my strengths are. And then you decide if the weaknesses that you perceive, which let's just not spend time on that if possible, are, are good enough. So that's sort of that was my approach to the brain teaser. Uh,
0: yeah. Okay, I mean, these guys have a lot of experience interviewing and being interviewed. I mean, in the in the case, do you have any, I would say, advice for product managers, and any any common mistakes or any answers to avoid? Um, I mean,
1: uh, you know, the product management, a lot of like basics are pretty common sense stuff. Like, you know, you need to be able to communicate well because, again, if you want to be a glue, you need to be, you know, you are you are the information goes through you. So if you're a bad communicator, it does not really help so those are kind of baseline you know to be honest these as I look at interviews interviews uh, which are less structured you it's a a two-way process so you are interviewing and you are also being guided by the by by the inter the person that's interviewing so you have some you have some you have some power around what narratives you want to drive in such in many interviews. Like you know, you you can you can you can say something which you, this it, it's enough attractive for an interviewer to ask you a bit more, and you can you can you you can create a rabbit hole that you want to lead the interviewer to, and that that's something that's you know it's like uh, I, I feel inter it, it needs to be interview if someone who is interviewing needs to see this process to be a two way process it's not just a one-way process that you're being asked a question and you're answering. It's it's about like you are taking the interviewer on a journey as well about yourself. So what are the things that you want like to make it clear to an interviewer? What are the agenda that you would like to push in that interview? What's your view of yourself what are the five key highlights that you want to push in that meeting? That you would like to come across, like what Mukul said, right? So he he drove the interviewer to believing, like, okay, let's solve the other problems first. Let's not focus on brain teasers because that's not my weak that's my weak point. So he created a narrative that he wanted the interviewer to follow. The interviewer followed, and it was you know, it was a success, and and he's doing well since. So you know things like that. I feel that in, oftentimes it seems like a one-way, one way one one directional process but it's actually a bi-directional process where interview the person who's interview interviewing with interviewee has a has a lot of say in this process as well muku um, what do you think
2: I uh, know uh, uh, we're repeating ourselves but I couldn't agree more so let me maybe I- I add a bit there uh the, the way you know I think there is so much content out there in terms of preparation that at some point i would say the biggest mistake is just simply people not preparing enough right uh, and then you can tell you can tell when they've done it or they haven't done it right like and, and i'd say that's probably the biggest mistake um, to panta's point in his product since interview he kind of laid out why he starts with that and what he expects to see every product manager interview, mock interview on YouTube. And there's a lot of them on YouTube, for example. You don't even have to work too hard. You literally have to type in two or three words and you'll get the the structure. But it's shocking how many people don't even put in that level of effort, right, at the end of the day. And I would say that's probably it. So come in. Look at online resources about what makes for a good product manager interview. I think the basic structures are the same across the function and discipline and try to do that, try to follow a nice structured approach and and do all of those things. So that's one piece I would probably say in terms of things I've seen surprisingly that don't happen. And the second part, a little bit of what Panta said is at the end of the day, for me, it's very much around how will this person perform in the day-to-day job, right? That's the interview is just a preview to that. And do I enjoy debating with this person do i does this person help challenge my thinking do they help elevate the work that i'm doing do i think they'll be able to create value and bring new ideas and energy to what we're building in order to service our customers right as opposed to somebody who is probably just a recipient and a bit of an order taker or question answer you know so those are the dynamics that i'm probably looking for more than anything else is good preparation and somebody who can elevate our team overall um so no i wouldn't say there's any terrible answers per se that i've gotten except just being like but that doesn't make any sense (laughs) but that's all it's like so why do you think that and then okay show me your critical thinking versus oh, I saw this in a different product and so I think it's a good idea. I'm like, yeah, but how the heck does that apply here at all, right? Those would probably be the few kind of very obvious mistakes, I would say.
0: All right. Yeah. I mean, I mean, those those are, those are really good advice. I mean, any product manager listening to this podcast would definitely, you know, learn quite a little bit on how to start an interview, how to prepare for one. But I guess we'll drag it on for a bit now and we'll leave it here for today. This has been the Evolution Exchange Podcast. And I want to take this opportunity to thank the both of you for your insight to this topic. And thank you all for listening. I'll see you guys next week.